Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimer. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast. And don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, brianclayman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Hello and welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I'm Lucky Luciano Cedroni. With me, as always, is Brian the Angry Man Clayman. Really excited about today's episode. We're going to be talking about privacy, specifically privacy by design, which is a concept that our guest, Michelle Chima, has been developing uh, for the last several years to help private businesses and public businesses, for that matter, manage information and specifically information that relates back to people's privacy, which, unless you've been under a rock over the last 10 years, has become more and more of an issue as uh, as the technology of the internet gets more invasive and companies like Facebook and WhatsApp and uh, Google are found to be tracking a whole bunch of things about us that we weren't even aware of. So obviously impacting our privacy um, and there's implications to that that we're going to get into today. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Michelle, our guest. Michelle Chiba, she provides privacy advice and staff training to organizations wanting to modernize their privacy or information management approach. She is the instructor for Seneca's Privacy Management and Identity Theft course that is part of the FinTech program. As a privacy and information governance consultant, her clients range from large private sector companies to public and not-for-profit sectors, including the CBSA and other Ontario provincial agencies. Ms. Chiba was recently nominated as project editor to the ISO committee for the newly established International Standard on Privacy by Design for Consumer Products, uh, the ISO 31700. She also serves as project editor for the new Privacy by Design section of the ISO 15944, which is Open Electronic Data Interchange and E-Business International Standard. That's one heck of a long title. Ms. Chiba is a former director of Policy Department and Special Projects at the Office of the Information and Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, Canada, during her 10-year tenure at the IPC, her department was responsible for conducting research and analysis, as well as liaising with a wide range of stakeholders to support Dr. Anika Borkin's leadership role in proactively addressing privacy and technology issues affecting the public, otherwise known as privacy by design. Michelle developed the introduction to privacy and privacy by design sessions for Seneca's workshop on best practices for the public sector financial managers. And Ms. Chiba is also an online instructor for Privacy by Design, the global privacy framework offered through the Chang School at Ryerson University in Toronto. Michelle has over two decades of experience in strategy development, most of it in the public sector, where she was responsible for developing and implementing several strategic policy projects. She received a master's degree for Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., with a focus on ethics and international business. She is a frequent speaker on privacy by design and emerging data privacy technology issues and has written a number of publications on privacy and technology. Those resources, along with her contact information, will be posted on our website and our YouTube channel. If you're interested in reaching out to her, she can be found on LinkedIn, um, or you can reach out to Brian and myself. We'd be happy to put you in touch with her. So with that, well, welcome, everyone. And I'm really excited about today's podcast. It's going to be talking about privacy and protecting your privacy, or as I probably would refer to it as protecting your butt more appropriately, because if if you don't follow these 
these uh, these rules and regulations, then you know you could get yourself into to a lot of trouble. And that's what we're really talking about today: is the implications of privacy on business. But until we get into that, we're going to talk to Brian and see what's keeping him up these days. There's been a lot of news. I'm sure he's got something to say as always. And then we're going to turn it over to our guest, Michelle Chiba, to talk about privacy. So, Brian, what's keeping you up these days? Hello, everyone. Hello, Michelle. Great to have you with us today. Uh, what's keeping me up, surprise, surprise, COVID is the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. You know, I tried so hard to find something else. And then we're now find ourselves in a third lockdown with the third uh, wave that is hitting us. And the thing that drives me absolutely bonkers are all the critics that are out there. I would be the second to agree behind you, Mr. Cedroni, that there's been a lot of missteps on the part of the government. But I love watching on the news last night people saying that this is ridiculous and why are they closing schools and why are they doing this and why are they doing that. But they don't come up with what they would do if they were in power. You know, COVID is real. I think we all agree. The third wave is real. I think we all agree. No one wants to be locked at home. I think we all agree with that. Is, should we be angry at government or should we be angry at the virus? I think what drives me crazy is that our anger is misdirected. It's uh, directed at government, not the virus. And even if Doug Ford and Prime Minister Trudeau are completely inept and incompetent, so be it. That might be the case. But we have to deal with this virus. And uh, pretending it doesn't exist is not going to make it go away. So that's my rant. And Luke, I will honestly try hard for next week not to talk about COVID. <laughs> but it's been a year of COVID, and I can't get it off my uh, mind. Well, they, they're, uh, to, be honest, to be fair, they're making it very difficult not to talk about anything but COVID. So, um, <laughs> and I'm going to use that kick off, to kick off our podcast today because I think, uh, first of all, welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. It's great to have you. On, on today, and uh, we're looking forward to this discussion. But I think when it comes to COVID in particular, there's also been a lot of privacy implications around mm -hmm. that, right? That's about the app, about sharing information, about what employers can ask their uh, their employees to do. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, welcome again to, to the podcast, and maybe start with a basic definition of what privacy really is, uh, what it means in terms yes. of you know how you deal with it, because a lot of people have their perceptions of what it is, but that's all over the map. Exactly. And and you're so right, Luciana, that uh, uh, privacy is not an easy concept to understand because everyone has their own concept. And that's fair, right? Because what is privacy? Um, basically, when we're talking about the information age, right, let's yep. let's focus in on that. It, it's about an, an individual, right, having some control right, over how businesses use their information. That's all they're asking for. And a lot of times it's about, you know, the, the, the whole strategy of don't surprise the consumer. You know, they trust the business. Just don't surprise them or do something that's going to shock them and go, what? Yeah. You used my information for that? Exactly. You know, why didn't, why didn't you ask me? So that's what privacy is all about. It's about thinking about the individual and, and, and the sensitivity around their own information about them, their identity information, right? So we have to be sensitive about that. Simple as that. Excellent intro. Brian? Can I, I can... Yeah, I, I just want to add the, the concept expectation of privacy. Can we talk about that for a second? So what that means you said is people have a right to know what their information is being used for. And let me challenge you, and I'm just doing that for the purpose of making good 
uh, broadcast podcast, okay? <laughs> when I go out on the street and I don't want you to look at me or take my picture, it doesn't matter what I want. There is no reasonable expectation of privacy that I uh, will remain anonymous when I'm out in the public. On the other hand, when I'm in the changing room at the YMCA, there is an expectation of privacy. Is that essentially what expectation of privacy means? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, I don't want to get into too much detail, but um, uh, it, it, you know, honestly, it's it's cultural. It's jurisdictional. Um, I'm going to tell you, for example, and, you know, even here in Canada, and I'm not a lawyer, I have to say that, but this is what I've learned at the time that I was at the regulator's office, right? So in Quebec, for example, right, there was a photo taken of, of an individual, and it was taken up to the court, and it was decided that, yes, that individual had an expectation of privacy, okay? But maybe in other provinces, so, so there is that, there is that legal framework, right, in terms of our rights or expectation of privacy. In Europe, in Europe, the law is you cannot take a photo of an individual without their consent, right? So right. if somebody's taking a picture of you, you can actually go up to them and say, I want to see that, you better delete it, right? Or they can make a complaint. In Canada, it's very different. It's it's and I can tell you it's different all around the world, this expectation of privacy. But but what I want to talk about today, right, is not so much the legal framework, but really, how do you build as a business trust with your customer, right? How do you do that? Because it's now long term. It's not, you know, it, there's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. So what you want to do is to build that long term um, relationship with the customer so that they trust you. And guess what? Research has shown that the more an individual trusts the, the organization, I'm going to give you all my information, right? right? Because I'm going to trust you, right, to use it appro appropriately and to give me the services that I need. Uh, oh, Brian? Uh, uh, Luke, if I could just follow up, yeah, though. The, the concept of reasonable reasonableness, okay, yes. that I'm going to trust you, there's always going to be an outlier out there that's going to yes. make a point. I think of vaccines, COVID, imagine that. And I think about anti-vaxxers. I mean, there are people that are just so outlandish that it's disruptive to the rest of society. So how does a business deal with that? Because you're not going to make everyone happy for a plethora of reasons. Yes. And that's why um, I'm going to introduce what we're calling and um, that we've been trying to promote for some time now. It's called Privacy by Design. Right. And what we've made an attempt to do, OK, was to say we need to consider, right, all perspectives, right, extreme perspectives. Right. But but what we have to do is to find innovative ways to address that. Right. And to and, and the more that companies can, um, you know, it's, it goes back to this trust factor. Uh, the more that companies can be more transparent, I'm not saying sharing their secrets, but I'm saying being forthright with the individuals about their data, you're going to lessen the, the you know, uh, extremists who have these notions of conspiracy theory, right? Yep. That's what you want to do. You want to make privacy a good business practice. And I think when it comes to those partic that particular view, I think the corporations, the businesses so far, I would argue, have failed at that. 
Um, when you talk about Facebook, <laughs> right? You talk yeah. about WhatsApp and that whole disaster. I, I was one of the ones that I was on WhatsApp. I've got a large group that we 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 talk on WhatsApp. I pulled it right away because I don't like being dictated terms, even if they're good terms. At least yes. give me the option. And they didn't yes. even do that. So so my question is, you know, do you see businesses? changing that approach do you see them learning or are they just we're gonna to have to drag them with government regulations and legislations and force them um you're right and and this is this is not just with respect to privacy but it's it's other um sort of trends with respect to business right and and you'll find that businesses you know the the the, the trend is let's self-regulate let us let us do what we need to do but that after a certain period of time you're going to get government coming in to protect the individual right we're all individual citizens sort of the david and goliath so now we get government intervening and having to put down strict you know regulation laws rules to say uh you know you were given the chance you clearly cannot self-regulate. Uh, we're going to have to come in with the hammer. However, however, let me tell you about the history of privacy principles and laws. I think it's important because we all forget they were born out of the OECD, right? They, 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 they were basically born out of a discussion around how do we enhance global business? How do we enhance wealth and economic development. Well, you know what? We need to have countries feel good about exchanging personal information, right? Because you're going to have uh, multinationals with an HR in one country, an HR in another, payroll in another. Well, you're going to have, you know, distribution, sharing, disclosure, personal information. So that's why the, the OECD said, listen, we've all got to make effort to at least come to an understanding of basic rights for privacy so that we will feel good about, you know, doing business with each other, right? But clearly that has changed with the new technology, yes. social media. Why? And Europe is the first one to basically say, hey, guys, it's not working. We don't trust you, the U.S. Canada, you're so you're you're so so. You're getting there, but some of the other countries are saying we're not going to share our, our our citizen data with you because we can't trust that you're going to do it at the same level of our expectation, right? So that's what you're seeing. Yeah, I'd like to add to that, but I must say something that uh, follow up on something Luciano said a moment ago about WhatsApp, which really sort of shocked me. Luke, you and I have been friends for a long time, and <laughs> and uh, you know we're business partners on this podcast, friends and all that. I'm not any. I am not on any of your WhatsApp groups. What's that about? <laughs> I well, don't even that, know you're on WhatsApp. That that is a privacy issue that you're not going to have privy to. <laughs> okay, well I'll, I'll have I'll have to digest that. Maybe afterwards we'll have to talk. But uh, I, I wanted to uh, ask about the sharing of information between countries and bring it down maybe more locally between organizations. Yes. When we first met Michelle, I was involved with Luciano and a few others on a security initiative with Toronto Police. And one of the issues yep. were, as security practitioners, we wanted to share information about bad guys. And you really opened our eyes uh, and got me thinking because prior to talking with you, I'd go to Luke's company, say, Hey, this guy is a bad guy. Here's his picture, his name, this is what he's done. And I, I never really appreciated how wrong that was. Uh, can you talk 
to that about companies sharing information? Because I recall, and I think someone asked the silly question, well, the police can do it, but we're not the police. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. So um, sharing of information for the purposes of, quote, public safety. Let's just talk about public safety, whether it's from a company perspective, you know, you need to keep uh, individuals safe in a building, um, you know, insurance companies are involved in that law enforcement. They all have, they're all stakeholders in quote public safety, right? Um, but when you get to the sharing or disclosure of individual, you know, individuals and sharing that information, there are a couple of aspects. So one is, are you ensuring that the information is accurate? Okay. And that's why there's a difference between a being convicted or being presumed to have committed a crime or being alleged to, uh, to have been commit committing her versus actually going through the process and having that declaration, for example. Right. So I think that's where the privacy rights or privacy laws come into play so that you don't, um, businesses, right? Businesses actually don't get into trouble because you put up the wrong picture yeah. or you were or you were fooled, right? Yeah. And and we know now, you know, and Brian, you said what's keeping you up at night is COVID. Well, likewise, right? From a privacy perspective, um, we're finding about all these breaches and and misinformation and things like that. So the 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 approach to privacy really is let's work together right, to ensure that you achieve public safety, like you make sure that you get the, you know, the individual who is the culprit, right? We want that. Privacy is not meant to get in the way of public safety, okay? But what we want to do is to help businesses ensure that they don't get their butts <laughs> exposed, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and not from a, just a legal point. But hell, you know how fast a story is going to come out? They printed the wrong picture. You know, you know, nowadays, Twitter, me, and that company is going to get, their reputation is going to get ruined to the degree that it's going to take years to come back. Or in the small business case, right, or the startup, they're not going to exist anymore. They're, they're just... The damage is so great. So that's what we, we want to change the perspective to say, hey, how can we make sure that we don't get caught right so in that, in that privacy mistake? Let me scale that down from businesses putting up wanted posters, which are a no-no, <laughs> to, for example, Luciano worked for me. I let him go because he was a thief and someone calls for a reference. How, how does a business handle that? I know a lot of businesses right now will not give references. Yeah. They will confirm that he worked or she worked at the company. He or she's title was so-and-so, may even confirm the salary, but won't say whether or not uh, they were a good employee, bad employee, a thief or not. There yeah. is some code words that HR people play that uh, is he eligible for rehire, yes or no? And if you say no, you're not saying he's a bad guy, but that's code for he's a bad guy. Is that the workaround? Um, again, I have to say that I'm not a lawyer, but 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 let me give you um, sort of a similar example with healthcare. Okay, um, under the healthcare personal health information law here in Ontario, right? Um, 
the whole idea there is, is that you have the right as an individual to, to check what that health organization or whoever has on you, right? And this is good. You know why? This is good because they look at it and they go, ah, that's not, that's not accurate or that's not true or whatever, right? But in the healthcare sector, you actually have the right to um, make a correction, okay? But by making a correction, you might say, I didn't like what that, that doctor said about me, right? They said that, um, um, you know, I didn't understand. I had memory problems and everything. It's not like you, you, you would override what the doctor said, but you could put your point of view in there, right? right? Yeah. So that whenever somebody did access that, you had two points of view. So I don't know what it's like, you know, HR practices are all varied, right? But for example, I, like if I'm terminated from a company, I have under the PETA, right, every right to access that record. I can say to the company, I want to know everything you've got on me. And I have the right to do that, right? And so I'm going to see that and I'm going to go, ooh, they're saying this about me, you know, right? And and it has broader uh, implication, uh, ramifications because, I mean, um, and, and the lawyers, hopefully, maybe there's some lawyers here. Maybe they'll say, well, yeah, what if it prevents me from getting a job? And who's to say? Who's to say that that was accurate, mm-hmm. right? Who's to say that, you know, here's my point of view. Yeah. Um, I was having a bad time, my family, and, and I had to be absent because, you know, and this is happening with COVID. It, yes. it, it's complex, right? So it's not a one, it's not just about privacy. Now, I am going to tell you one incident. If it's getting too long, tell me. So about <laughs> about about bad guys, okay? Yeah. I'm going to tell you one incident that happened. So over, this was way back. In New Brunswick, there was a, a, an escaped convict. Okay, escape convict. So um, the media said said to to the prison, "Hey, we want the photo. We're, we're going to put out." And, and the prison said, "Oh no, we can't give you the photo because it's the prisoner's privacy." Well, yeah. I'm going to tell you that our commissioner at the time, Dr. Ann Kabukian, she came out in the media and she said, "Hell no, that prisoner gave up their privacy when they when they um, impacted public safety." Sorry, get that photo out there. I actually I do remember that in the news, and 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 it brings me to my next question. Actually, following up on on the conversation with with Brian, um, I think that what I've seen anyway or experienced has been two extremes. Usually, the yes. you either have companies who say absolutely everything can't be shared, and then you have other companies that have no clue and basically share everything. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so when you talk about bringing back to privacy by design, right? What are your, you know, what do you really mean by that for businesses? And what does that, what does that concept sort of include? How do you design your program to protect yourself against privacy uh, breaches? Exactly. So here is where I would make a pitch, Luciano. It's not easy. You have to hire me. And your contact info will be on the site. No, you're right. But, 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 but you know what it is, but you know what it is. You're right. It's it's it, privacy by design. You're right about the extremes, right? Even the government got into that, you know, where hey, we're not going to give any information out. Oh my gosh! Well, that's not productive. We, we we're in the digital age. We're in big data. We can solve some good, you know, problems with all of that data. We need the data, right? And privacy isn't meant to 
inhibit or stall innovation. In fact, it's supposed to enhance innovation, right? And so what I'm, what I'm talking about is privacy by design is about, hey, you know, it's not a black or white thing. So let's problem solve. Let's figure out what do we really need? Like, what do we really want? Do we really want to prevent um, um, bad guys from getting on the airplane? Right. Okay. So what, how can we deal with that? Well, we have, you know, data here, data there. Well, let's start to share it, but we'll make sure that you're not just sharing everybody's data and potentially blocking everybody because you need throughput. And this was some of the stuff that we did with the uh, Ontario Lottery and Gaming Commission, mm -hmm. right? They want to prevent, you know, people from going in there who said, stop me because I'm an addict, right? So they needed to put in solid measures to prevent that, but at the same time, not encumber throughput, right? right. People want to go in. They don't want to be checking your ID because they're going to get pissed and they're going to go, what? You know, you, what are you checking my ID for, right? So we designed a, a, an approach and a process that looked at both, right? Throughput, convenience, but at the same time, ensuring that, you know, the people they needed to keep out, they kept out. So I, I can't give you a simple answer because it depends on the business and their and their approach. And, and the privacy by design is about doing this seamlessly without a lot of disruption. That's a key point because I actually had in my notes that, uh, you know, question to ask you is that it's often mistaken as an obstacle to business, but it's not. It's meant to be a yeah. business enabler and, and exactly. improve your business. Exactly. Brian, I think you got a question. <laughs> I do. And I was uncharacteristically polite letting you uh, <laughs> follow up. <laughs> Michelle, is it possible yeah. for a contract implied or formal to, to strip you of your privacy rights. And I think of when you said the Ontario Lottery Corporation, okay? Uh -huh. I just won $70 million. I don't want my picture taken or name yeah. released. Yet, yeah. if I don't do that, I don't get the money. Yeah, so so this is where, this is where um, there are certain laws in place. And again, I have to say I'm not a lawyer, right? But there are certain laws in place that... Um, uh, look at the public interest, right? Override, meaning, you know, the public public's interest takes takes precedence over an individual's privacy rights. And you're right about this, um, the lottery thing. And the reason why is because if you didn't know all of that detail, right, you would say, well, who are they giving the money to? Right? Uh, or maybe, yeah. maybe they so so it's that right. I'll say so. Let me give you an example though of a privacy by design approach. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's what happened in the states. In the states, there were no laws to protect the individual. So every time an, an individual won the lottery, not only was their name plastered, their photo, the check, and everything, they were required to do that, right? But guess what happened? It had to take an incident where a lottery winner was attacked because why they found, you know, by, by virtue of the information, they can find out where they live, etc. Mm -hmm. So here in Canada, I'm not sure whether it's across the board, but there's not a requirement there. So how do you, how do you meet the privacy, the public, the protection plus the public need to know? Listen, if I wanted to know who won, but you said, oh, I'd rather not. Why? Because, because 
I'm sensitive. I've got some people out there who's, who are going to go crazy and try to find me. So what is it? If I, as a member of the public, right, wanted to know whether there was integrity in the per, in that process, I, I have the right to go and ask them, right? I will go and ask them who won, what process, but they may not give me the name and the address of the person, right? But they will say, you know, they will say, maybe put a pseudonym, but here's the process we take. We can, we can guarantee that our, that we did not give the money. Here's our third party audit, whatever. It's no different than if I wanted to find out somebody's license plate and who was registered. Right. Mm -hmm. And I go, Hey, you know, and this has happened. Mm -hmm. Jeez, that, that, that person really looks interesting or, Hey, he cut me off or Mm -hmm. she cut me off. I had to take their life. I'm going to go to, and I'm going to get, Find out where they live. Well, sorry, where there are strict privacy laws, you can't get that information unless you have a solid reason and you're documented, right? Yeah. Right? In the States, however, it's different. It's different. Anybody can get anything. There. Well, the, the States are, is the Wild West. You know, I like, yeah. with COVID, we're watching a lot of TV and YouTube, and I, I like watching these cop video type things. And I am just amazed of... Uh, dash cam video police officer video showing people being shot and killed from two days ago it's not even before the court you're innocent till proven guilty yet the so-called first amendment right to do these things it's just a whole different world exactly and 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 brian that's why that's why in the states they are looking seriously at regulating all of that right we we it, 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 and that's what's going to happen. There's going to well, be heavy-duty regulation. Whereas here, we're we're good. We're we're good up here. Right? I, I am I I am just amazed. You know, watching some U.S. cop type flicks like uh, uh, Live PD and cops and things like that. That when I call the police because I've had a domestic or my son or daughter's going crazy, I don't expect a video crew to show up and then broadcast that to the world. And when exactly. I watch these shows and people say, get the video out of here, no, no, they're here watching me. And, <laughs> and like you would never, in fact, I think in Canada, there was that uh, TV show about border security. The border security. <laughs> yeah, and I think they got in trouble over they, that. I think yeah. it got pulled. Yeah. yeah, but but there would have been a way. There would have been a way, right? Yeah. You negotiate. It's no different than, um, you know, what, what what could we do? Could we Could we blur you? And, and tell the story as a lesson to learn, right? Yeah. And then and then maybe the because remember the laws basically say it has to be identifiable to an individual. If you can't identify, you know, the information to an individual, it's not covered. It's not covered. Isn't that? I just want to add to that to, to that discussion that you're having. We've talked about the government. We've talked about the business, but you're really talking about individuals as well. Isn't there an onus? or a responsibility for them to stand up and say, hey, this isn't right. And yet we hear every day, you know, you're prepared to write off or check off on a 20-page document from Facebook or LinkedIn, you know, that takes away all your privacy rights, basically. And you agree to that. You don't even hesitate. And yet when the police knock at your door and say, hey, can we get information because we want to solve a murder? We fight them tooth and nail. There's something seriously backwards about that. I don't understand why that is. I have my suspicions, but don't, the individuals have a responsibility as well to to make this a success. Yes, and and you know what? It, it's again gonna it's, it's gonna depend. It all depends, right? So so let me tell you a little bit about the the shift with respect to identity theft. Okay, way back 
um, when I was at the IPC way, way back, um, the, 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 the sort of policy thinking was identity theft, you know, we got to send out guidance to the individual, right? The individual don't, you know, don't, don't leave your cards in your purse or, you know, in your, in your, 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 in your car, don't get it stolen, blah, 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 don't share it, blah, blah, blah. So the focus was on individual responsibility for their, their identity information, right? For identity theft. And then after a while though, we saw, oh my gosh, businesses are collecting so much. We don't even know what you're collecting from the individual, right? So therefore the, the, the policy shifted to, hey, organizations now have a responsibility right for the data that they're collecting i mean and now even more so because i wouldn't even know what kind of metadata is being collected right, right now on this right or on me or whatever so that's the shift and and definitely individuals have a responsibility there's there's no there's no doubt but in the end in the end right it's it's a matter of what we're saying user awareness yeah. you know communication right um because it, it doesn't matter it's like anything else around consumer protection doesn't matter you know the it, it what do you say the customer is always right right yes <laughs> yeah you know unfortunately unfortunately but but definitely there are cases right and you can look at many of the regulator sites where you know individuals make complaints yeah. and they're not they're not well grounded well founded right um, and and no different than in the law. If you keep making you know you know crazy requests, well, there's there's a provision in there. It's called vexatious uh, requests, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to you're trying to damage the reputation of a company with no findings, right? right? So there's that, that you know. So so there is that understanding. Are Canadian businesses getting it right? And you know, I I had come from a large company, as did Luciano in our other life, and we all had privacy statements and and, and procedures. I was one of twenty some odd thousand employees in the company that was supposed to know about these things, but you know, I didn't do my homework properly. Yet they proudly say on all their literature and so you know where I'm going with this. Yes. In your in yes. your opinion. Is it just smoke and mirrors at this point of, of the evolution, or are we basically getting it right? Yeah. So, so here's where um, I got to be careful because um, I'm glad to say that I'm not a lawyer and I'm not painting every lawyer <laughs> with the same brush. But privacy, because it was considered legal, right? Mm -hmm. All the lawyers get involved, and you know what they they're like. I mean, they 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 love writing and every single potential yep. liability da, 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 da. and that's why we've gotten into trouble right so that's why that's why we're not saying that the lawyers are bad we're saying but privacy and privacy by design has to be from a business perspective right it's not just putting up a huge template and that's why europe europe put it in place a lot of these things, you know, they put in place, listen, you do, you do a consent request. It cannot be 10 pages. It cannot even be one page and we're not dictating, but it has to be clear language, mm. understandable at the right time. Right. And how many businesses know that already yeah. with just the time they know this stuff. So but I, they I, just I, made by the legal language of mm -hmm. privacy. 
Right. But it, it puts a burden on a business. Now, if we're talking about Air Can and Amazon, I'm not too concerned if they have to hire more people and set up a department. But if I'm an insurance brokerage yeah. and I have five people in there and someone says, I want to see everything you have on me, I've got to take a human resource yes. if I don't have a department, scour my files, go through the video, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Is there are, are small businesses expected to operate at the same level? Like, is it? The law is the law, or the regs are the regs, or is it scalable? Yeah. So, so here's what I uh, what what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, you know, and and this is why privacy by design is so good, right? Because it's basically going to say, even for small businesses, you're going to know what the expectation is, right? You're going to know, and at least if you have some kind of a roadmap, right? Like I'm getting there, and. Believe me, the European Commission, the Data Protection Supervisor's Office, they've acknowledged that too, right? And that's what I tell a lot of my clients. I say, you don't have to have a 100% perfect program or approach. You just have to demonstrate that you're aware and you're working on it. And it's what we call maturity, privacy maturity models, right? And Europe has come out and said, we're going to look at a large corporation very differently from a small one. But but in every situation, and I usually say, I was on the other side, I want to give you advice. I'm going to train you how to deal with and cooperate with the regulator. Mm -hmm. Don't be defensive. Work with them, you know? Mm -hmm. Work so with them. It, yeah. it's, it sounds awfully familiar to duty of care and showing yes. that you're going down the right road. Yes. Uh, yeah. But continuing that that uh, Canadian business perspective, um, Michelle, you talk about the Europeans, the, the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. Yeah. Um, they've implemented that. I've, I've heard talk about this right to forget and, yes. and those types of movements. They're very strong in Europe. They're very weak in the U.S. and Canada's right yes. in the middle. And yes. as a Canadian business, how do you, like, how do you suggest they prepare themselves or, or are they going to have to meet certain, I, I, I expect that they will have to meet a certain, th a certain threshold to deal with European businesses, to do business yes. in Europe. So yes. um, can you talk about that a little bit and how yes. businesses can prepare for that? And, and um, so, so what Canada is going through, like GDPR really um, lit the fire under a lot of other countries, mm -hmm. right? And, and it's like what Brian said early on, like it, a lot of us uh, have legislation that was produced way back right, in the 1980s, okay? Um, so, so GDPR has really lit the fire under everybody. Now, in Canada, there is, I think it's one of the bills, it's called the Digital Privacy Something Something, right? Um, because we're looking now. We're looking now at how do we ensure that our current law, right, overseeing commercial activities and privacy and information, how do we make sure that at least it meets one of the thresholds? Now, I can tell you in Europe, the right to be forgotten is being interpreted in many different ways. Many, and it was never, and 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 they're going to have to work that through, because 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 there's that tension between. Well, what do you mean right to be forgotten? Well, you can't erase everything. Sorry, yes. because because you can't erase that a person was convicted or charged. Right. You can't you can't erase that. That's public safety, right? You can't erase. The, the, the you know certain other aspects within the media you can't just read but that was I don't think that was ever the intent of the right to be forgotten so it's it's spun out of control right, right? Um, um, and and the other things though that are good right we have to um, it sort of prepares businesses to think 
about how are we going to modernize our information governments and information management practices now that we're in big data, the digital age, right? So in, in Europe, right, they talked about algorithms and big data. And I can tell you, to get value out of data, you're going to have to have an algorithm, you're going to have to have machine learning, right? So how do you do this? Well, they're saying, be careful. Be careful when you do this. Don't don't make assumptions and let the algorithm make all of the final decisions because in Europe they're saying why algorithms are biased. Yes. Okay. Algorithms are biased. So don't just let it be the algorithm. You got to have some human intervention in there and checks and balances. Yes. Right. So I think, I think some of the things that happened in Europe, it's, it's good. It's good sort of future thinking for the businesses here in Canada to go, regardless of what Canada's laws end up being, I got to start thinking about this because it means it's good practice, right? Yeah. It's good business, right? So, it makes good business sense. So big data versus small data. A lot of our, <laughs> cli a lot of our clients, you know, we, we basically are dealing with clients that have security programs, they're doing investigations or guards. Yeah. And there's a lot of information. People are amazed yeah. but that we collect. So when a yeah. guard goes to a scene, what yeah. is your name? What is your date of birth? What is your a medical response? Do you have high blood pressure? First of all, I think we can make the argument that we need to collect that information or, or harvest that information to do the job. But I don't think that's in violation of the law. I think the failure that I've seen is now that we have this information, how do we house it? Because instant yeah. reports, uh, security reports... Yeah. are available to anyone and everyone, the tenant, yeah. the owner of the building. Can you yeah. talk to that? Yeah, de definitely. So so privacy is all about, and privacy by design is all about what we call data minimization, yeah. right? And I'm going to tell you from the perspective of a business and liability, I'll tell you, the more data you have, the higher the liability, the more data meaning personal information that you don't need, Yes. okay? <laughs> Because, because I'm going to tell you in Europe, and I'm going to tell you about a story here in Europe. You know what they said? You know what they said? If you're keeping data way beyond the time that you need it and it gets breached, we are going to come down so hard on you because you could have avoided that harm to those individuals, right? And I'm going to tell you about a company that called me Saturday on a Saturday night. Oh my gosh, we were hit by ransomware. Okay. <laughs> we were hit. What should we do? I said, listen, it's okay. Because I thought it was more of a recovery thing. I said, it's okay. I'm assuming you've got a backup. It's a security matter. It's a it's a it's a business continuity issue. No, no, no. We had our HR records there. Oh, okay. Well, what did you have in your HR records? You know, name, address, SIN, payroll number, maybe a bank account. I said, well, just, you know, now, now let's figure out your small company. How many employees do you have? Well, a hundred, not a high risk. We notify them. We deal with that. Right. Oh, but we've got a problem. We've been keeping employee data since we've started. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, why, why would you keep, why would you keep everybody's data and have now? And I said, now, sorry, you've got a bigger problem. Yeah. Sorry. And it I, cost I, them money. It cost them big bucks. We're on. We're on. Obviously, where people aren't be, being able to see the big smile on my face because that <laughs> brings me back to when we first met you in 2010 
Um, and I still live by a couple of takeaways from that. They're very simple and I probably bastardized them. But basically, I remember you making it very clear that whatever data you have, you're fine as long as you can justify why you need it, take only what you need and keep it for as long as you need it and no longer. And I've, I've stuck by that for my whole career since then. And I've had so many fights with my property <laughs> owners and, yeah. and tenants who think that, you know, I need 180 days of video coverage or retention. You don't need it. Why do you need yeah. it? If something happens, you're going to know about it pretty quick. Exactly. Take it out and get rid of the rest. So, you know, my last question is going to be because <laughs> cognizant of time. Um, my last question is going to be, you know, technology is becoming more invasive. Um, and you've talked about some of the challenges with the different countries and their different perspectives on, on, on security or personal uh, privacy. How do you see the road forward? How do, what do you see coming down the pipes in terms of privacy? Are we ever going to get a consistent sort of understanding across the European or at least the Western regions, or are we going to, is it going to be yeah. more complicated than that? No, I'd like to say that, um, you know, the more companies understand uh, the privacy by design framework, because it was ultimately the, the, the reason why it was developed by Dr. Kavukian, right, was because of the proliferation of different jurisdictions. And, and from a business perspective, she knew she was being told by the by the company saying it's costing us more money to try to figure out to comply with 10 different quote standards right and we're not getting anywhere so that's why she said listen we're going to create this very simple framework that's going to encompass all of the fundamentals on which many of the privacy laws have been built and it's going to become like a global standard and i can tell you in 2010 she had all of the privacy commissioners in the world right agree we're going to go with privacy by design. That's why the first, you know, the first country who made the big effort was Europe. They got it put into legislation. And you watch, it may not get into put into legislation as privacy by design, but you will see essence of it. Yeah, the elements. In, yeah. in the elements or the themes in various laws because they make sense, yeah. right? And we don't want privacy to be a huge financial burden and that's why we're saying think about these early on why because if you get involved in an investigation that takes your resources away from your your prime uh, service you know provisions right mm -hmm. your primary service areas it's going to cost you money like this company had to pay for a third-party forensic you know they and and they had to reconfigure everything plus they had to give notice and who knows what, whether they're going to be uh, fines imposed right, right? And, and and they're still dealing with it they're still dealing with it, right? And whereas if they had thought about it early on, and that's what we want to do, we want to, it's it's not a matter of pulling, you know, the, 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 the hammer down and going, why don't you do this? It's really working with the company to mm -hmm. say, how can you, we're not telling you what to do, but had you thought about this? Had you thought about that, right? And to the degree that they go, hey, we can actually embed that into our process so we don't have to think about it anymore. Exactly. Right? It's going to be automatic. Yeah. Okay? Well, you know, 
what I, what I tell clients is fines aside, you know, uh, money aside, there's insurance for that. You know, General Motors can afford a hundred thousand dollar or a million dollar yeah. fine. What corporations have to understand is they can't afford damage to the brand and reputation. Exactly. Uh, and once that happens, there is no turning back. The trust is lost. You know, yeah. I used to work for a large, one of the largest financial service institutions in the world, and as a security risk management guy. And one of the things that was germane to all our employees and orientation is, what is our product? We don't build a car. We don't have yeah. a tangible. It's trust. And if exactly. we lose the trust, we lose our business. Yes, yes. And 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 the other thing with that, right, is that um, uh, um, uh, um, a reasonable understanding of what privacy means, because, you know, in, it, it, I, I do teach a, a class on privacy in the fintech sector. And, you know, the, the, the financial institutions, sometimes they're holding, just like you said, Luciana, they're too scared to even give any information yeah. out, right? But, but. And, and it goes back to, well, how can you, you know, hold information? Well, you know what you do? You de-identify, right? You yeah. de-identify, anonymize, and it's totally out of the rules then, yeah. right? Yeah. You can use it, right? You can hang on to it for however long you want. It's If it's identifiable, then be careful. And it's not, it's not sort of a simple approach um, in terms of de-identification. Uh, each, each. Each initiative or or project has its own um, parameters, right? To meet, right? Like a de-identification. If you're going to post it on on the internet, it'll be different than if you're just keeping it within your sector, right? But 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 we do have the technology to do that, so there really is exactly. no excuses not to do it. Exactly. <laughs> and and I'm going to leave it as that uh, a great place to sort of tie it all together. Um, because we're, we're we're out of time, unfortunately, because I've really le- enjoyed this podcast. I think it's been a great one, um, and hopefully, you know, we can have you back again because yeah. it's really enjoyable on our end. Um, yes. Really educational. I think I learned a lot, and I know Brian certainly did because he's less than he knows less than I do. So, uh, <laughs> with that, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to Brian for some final thoughts, and then we can say our goodbyes. But really appreciate you having me on the show today, Michelle. And for those who want to reach out to her. I'm, uh, you know, we're going to post her information on on our on our on our website, and she's certainly available on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you can yes. check her out there. She's got a lot of information and resources for you, Brian. Yeah, Michelle, I just want to say it's refreshing dealing with people such as yourself because you're not into thou must do this or else you will die. It's about <laughs> working with people and understanding what's rational and realistic. I, I think, though, you're in a growth industry, you know, from where I stand, especially at the lower, at the line level, at the retail level, at the, you know, not at the corporate level, uh, people still don't get it. They just yeah. don't understand it. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to create the awareness and make changes. We're a lot better than our American brothers are. Yes. But we're a lot, you know, there's still a lot that can be done. And and uh, I would love to have you on another episode and uh, continue this conversation in the future. Yeah, that'd be perfect. You know, the more that we can reach, the better. You know, it's going to be it's going to be one person at a time. Right? Yes. But we're not afraid because we roll up. We, we, we stand behind the rock and we're just continuing to push that rock. And we'll continue to add the people to help us push that rock up the pyramid. Right. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Okay, folks, that wraps it up for this podcast, and we will talk to you or listen to you again on the next one. Till then, bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets. Oh, my God.